Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, some people. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. All right. Just before I get started, can you hear me? Are we good? All right. I've got to come down. I have a confession. So I want to make sure we're standing on even ground here. So you know clearly where I'm coming from. Because this March Madness is about the power and the moving of God's Holy Spirit. It moves in a way we don't understand sometimes and we may never fathom what He has planned for us. Are you hearing me clearly? Okay. So just to give you a quick snapshot of why I'm here and how I got here today. I've known Pastor Madden for quite a few years and um, he called me to ask me to come. I told him I had to get back to him because I had a different agenda. About last year, coming to the end of last year, a group of my buddies, we were talking and we hadn't been together for some time, so we said, you know, let's go to Vegas. You want honesty or not? Yeah. I'm going to give it to you. I said, man, you know, the proverbial cliche is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That made me a bit nervous. I'm going to be honest. I'm from the East Coast. And... I wrestled with the idea. I'm like, what are we going to do, man? You know, I don't gamble because I don't believe in giving my money away for free at somebody else's rigged slot machine. I, I don't believe in that. So they kept talking about it, kept talking about it, kept talking about it. I'm like, man, you know, I struggled back and forth. I'm human. I struggled. The idea of being able to go away for a weekend or for a few days, well, it was a good idea. I said, you know, it's not a bad thing. So I began to think about the idea of coming to Vegas. We picked a month. The month was March of 2013. I ain't messing with y'all. <laughs> I'm serious. We picked down to the week. And we looked at our calendars for vacation times and said, maybe I can pick some times here. And we worked into about this exact week. So when Pastor Madden called me and said, Preacher, I'm having a March Madness event. And I'm in Vegas. I said, I got to get back to you, man. Because God, you didn't mess with my plans. <laughs> and so I thought about it and I said, I called my buddies up. I said, man, you won't believe this, dude. I got a phone call to go preach in Vegas. Man, they laughed so hard at me. Because they knew what the answer was going to be. And so I stand here today, not on my own fruition, but God completely divinely set it into motion that I had to be here. I don't know why. I don't know who it is he has, he needs for me to reach. I don't know. But I've been with God long enough to know. When he wants something done and he needs to save somebody, he will move high and low around and through to save you. So I'm here. I don't know why. Pastor Madden talked about all that dancing stuff. It's a long time ago. But I don't know who it is because somebody here needs to know Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've been sitting in this church. Maybe you just know about him, but you haven't really got to know him yet. Somebody here needs to know about Jesus. And somebody needs to surrender to Jesus. So, okay, I am completely flipping the script. I'm doing my appeal first. When that call and that time come for you to make that stand, don't put it off. If I did, I wouldn't be here. If Pastor Clark did, she wouldn't be here. 
When Pastor Man received the call, had he put it off, he wouldn't be here. Don't put it off. Amen? So we good? I can go preach now? All right. Before I get up there, I need about two young people who are not afraid. Two young people, just two, wherever you are. I need for you to come read for me. One, two. One, two. Are we on? Okay. Hold this mic, please. Testing one, two. chapter 11 if we can go to the screen if it's possible John chapter 11 and we're going to start from verse 1 now what's I got I forgot this one piece my sermon entitled this morning you won't believe what it is I'm being completely real it's entitled well done and the choir just sang well done and we didn't talk about my sermon title or was it will be in your program. I want to be completely transparent with you so you understand where I am. You know, God has something spectacular to happen this week. Get ready for it. Go ahead, sir. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus, of Bethany of the village of Marty and her sister. Martha, and it was the Marty who annoyed the Lord with anointment and whipped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Was sick. The sisters therefore sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he warm youth, sick loveness is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. Thereby, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he, that he was sick, he abode. abode at the time two days in the place where he was. Then after he this he said to the disciples, disciples, let us go to Judea, Judea again. The disciples say unto him, Rabbi, the Jews were but now seen to stone three and ghost new, and ghost you there here again. Jesus answered, Are you not twelve years old? I was out I was old a day. If a man walk in the day he stumbled not because he seeth the light of this word, but if a man walk in the night, he submit with because, but if the light is not in him. Amen. What's your name, young man? Detrick. Detrick. Detrick, thank you so much. Stay right here for me. Don't leave. Stay right here. Next. Number 11. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad 
Jesus came, he found that he had been in the tomb for days already. Now Bethany was nigh, nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha therefore, when she heard that Jesus is coming, went and met him. But Mary still sat in the house. Okay, home, Lord, put your hands together for these two young men. Now, it's, it's always, you know, folks run from reading the Word of God. Amen? Some of us don't even read it at home, right? Thank you. Now, you know what's happening. Everybody's saying the next time he calls somebody, I'm going to come read God's word. I done got your attention now, didn't I? Young man, don't forget the tithe on that. Picking up from verse 21. Martha therefore said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And even now I know that who whatsoever thou shalt ask of God, God will give thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yes, Lord, I do. You heard the word of the Lord this morning. My God is an awesome God. He can move mountains. Is it possible I can switch mics a little bit? One, two. We can kill this one. Probably set it a little later. One, two. Oh, so much better. You got to forgive me. I'm a musician. And so part of my, my, my weakness is my hearing. I got to be able to hear it. This morning, the topic I want to focus on for a few minutes. Well done. Well done. Father God, we come to you this morning. Assembled here this day to hear your word. Not my word, but your word. I pray there, Father, that you will please pace me at the foot of your cross. Like a piece of clay. So that you and only you be lifted up. We thank you for the promise of your word that if we believe in you though we die we shall live again have your way in this word amen we live in a time when gratefulness has lost its place a little bit less on the mid's place saying thank you has become a scarcity we find homes that are supposed to be a place of refuge, comfort, and solace no longer exist. Imagine coming home after a long day at work, traffic, grocery shopping, cleaning up the house, doing laundry, prepare food, serve, and then wash dishes. And no one says, thank you, mom or dad. Why is when's the last time you told your sons or your children, thank you for taking out the garbage? Or to your husband, thank you for supporting us, even though he's supposed to. Parents, you talk, train, coach, and even whip your kids at times, but what about when they do well? We're talking about ungratefulness. You know, there are some people in this life who never see the good in anything. 
I'm not talking about anybody in here, but those folks are always negative. They complain about anything, argue when they can't get their way, and create havoc and chaos everywhere they go. You know anyone like that? You don't say anything. That was supposed to be a rhetorical question. They might be sitting next to you, you know. It's as if they were given a divine commission to be the one to point out people's mistakes and set everybody straight. Excuse me for asking this, and it might seem a bit rude, but who made you God? Don't get it twisted. You were created just like everyone else. You are no better, neither are you more saved than anyone else. The Bible declares in Romans 3, verse 23, all have what? Sinned and come short of the glory of Therefore, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The last time I checked, we all have to approach the foot of the cross. We all have to ask the great I am to wash our sins away. We all have to depend upon him for sustaining our lives. We all need God. It is with this context that many of us approach God and his word. It's as if we go to church to praise God, but then God better hook us up when we need him or else. Again, who do we think we are? Many of us come and praise God just to get. Just to get. You're hearing a whole lot of sermons around about the blessings that God has for you, and this is your year? Listen, this is the day that the Lord has made. Don't count the year yet. You may not make it to December 31. You count today. Yet God in his infinite mercy looks down and bestows upon us a brand new mercies every day. I tell you, we serve a mighty God, an awesome God, a holy God, a powerful God, a forgiving God, a healing God. A blessing God, and not to mention a loving God. Somebody say amen. amen. It is with this backdrop I'd like for us to consider our biblical lesson that I read in your hearing, plus the two young men. We know that Lazarus got sick, and his sisters Mary and Martha sent the word. Jesus, please come and heal him. Now, what was amazing was that Jesus was in the next town over, about two miles in distance. That would have taken him approximately one hour if he walked straight. But considering it's Jesus, he had to talk to some people, heal a few people. By the way, let's give him an extra hours built into that time. Instead, the Bible tells us he showed up four days later. After the body had already began to decompose. 96 hours later. Why did Jesus take so long? Why does God take so long to answer our prayers? Can't he see that you and I are in a dire need? The narrative declares to us that upon hearing the news, Jesus uttered that his death was for the glorification of God. I had a bit of problem with that. When I first read it, it stuck out to me and I said, why would God let somebody die so he can be glorified in it? Okay, you don't like my translation of that. Let me bring it to your street. Why did God take the person you love, your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother? Why did he take them away, that young child? Why did he put them to sleep? Why bring grief and loss to family members just to exalt one's name? Why must I experience constant pain, hurt, rejection, defeat, abandonment, loneliness in a house full of people feeling unloved when I love and sacrifice so much for my family? How can I trust you, God, when I have been praying for years and still no answer? How can I depend on you, God, when I feel so far from you? How 
can I know that I am forgiven when I'm still tormented with the consequences of my sins? How can I make it in this life when doors keep closing in front of me, God? How long? This is the cry of many, and yet you take step after step, day after day, hoping one day God will come through. Some of you have come to the edge of your breaking point. There's a story told of a young boy who was sleeping one night, and in the morning time he came, um, the mom found him on the floor. Mom said, son, how you end up on the floor? He said, ma, I guess I was too close to the edge. Sometimes some of us get to the edge hoping we can maybe just cross over and not fall over. It doesn't work that way. My first point I want to leave with you this morning is this. God knows about you. Let me hear you say that, please. No, make it personal. God knows about me. He knows what you're going through. He knows about the nights you soak your pillow with tears. He knows about the injustice and racism you experience on your job. He knows that your money sometimes even, even just really acting a whole lot of funniness. He knows about your lonely nights even when you have company. He knows about your heartbreaks. He knows about your good days and your low days. He knows when you can't take it anymore. God knows. Maybe some of you have lost loved ones and you are still angry at God for taking them away. Well... You've come to the right place today. You see, Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so that others might witness that he was all-powerful. There will be times, saints, when God has to lay you down only to pick you back up. Am I know what I'm talking about here? There will be times when God has to sit you down so the next time you stand, you're on solid ground. There will be times when God has to strip you of your earthly possession, including home foreclosures, so that he can possess you. There will be times when you have nothing only to realize there is one who owns everything. There will be times when God has to allow sickness just so you can testify of his healing power. Read it. It's in the Bible. The Bible declares in Psalms 116.1, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The catch is, you got to be a saint. Aren't you glad to know that no matter what you're going through, God knows about you? Point number two. God plans for you. Whew. You get to the point where you're wondering what's up, what's your next step, what's your next move. God has a plan for you. The Bible tells us, that, tells us that Jesus was fully aware of all of the surrounding events and the intended outcomes. It was critical that Mary, Martha, the disciples, and community onlookers witnessed the miraculous plan of God. Jesus understood that the people needed something that no one could take from them. An experience that would change their lives forever. An encounter that would leave them speechless. An incident that would bring them to a crossroad about their faith. An event that would change history forever. You see, Jesus was planning ahead. Because he knew this was just a trailer to his opening act. He was planning for his impending death on the cross. He was planning for his disciples to never forget who he was. He was planning for Peter's forthcoming denial. He was planning for the onlookers who would shortly have their curled fist in the ear chanting in cadence, crucify him, crucify him. He was planning that through this experience, they would believe in him. He was planning that one day you and I would hear this great gospel and give our lives to him. You see, we've been on God's mind for some time. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, I know well the plans I have in mind for you, 
says the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for your destruction. Plans to give you a future full of hope. When you call me, when you go to pray to me, I will listen to you. When you look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you seek me with all your heart. So while you're in the midst of your present circumstance, not only does God know all about it, but he has put plans in place for you. So don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Hang in there. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep singing. Keep serving. Keep smiling. Keep encouraging. Keep loving. And keep on living for the appointed time. Your faithfulness will result in your reward accordingly. God knows about you. Number two, God plans for you. Number three, God will restore you. This is my, my favorite one. I get a little excited about this because I start to think about what God can do. My mind begins to explode with infinite possibilities. You see, when we look at situations happening in life and we see just what's in front of us, we become depressed and sad and we begin to lose hope. God sits high and he looks low. And in sitting high and looking low, all we see is what's in front of us. But he can see there. He can see there. He can see back there. He can see up ahead. He can see behind. And so while we are there over here fretting and worrying and stressing, God is still saying, listen, just look at me right here. I got you. I got you. I got you. But we have to look to him, not look to the circumstance. Because as long as you keep your eyes on the circumstance, you will lose hope. Faith and hope can't coexist. That was wrong. Fear and faith can't coexist. And we have become Christians now who allow fear to drive us so much that we have no more faith. What do I mean? Well, when you're young, you have this zeal about God. You're like, God, I can do whatever you want me to do. That's why the military attracts young people. Because they're young and inexperienced. And when you're young and inexperienced, you follow any order for ego and for feeling as part of a group. Yeah. But then after you get a little older, they ain't sending any older men or women back into the military to a fight. <laughs> I, I ain't fighting you. No, sorry. You can go fight. I'm going back home to my own business. But something happens in life that as we go through life day after day and the vicissitudes of life hit us, we start losing hope. We start losing faith. And we call this thing called fear, we call it reality living. I'm just being real. It's reality. Get your heads out of the cloud, young people. Don't dream about what you can become. It's not going to happen. Look where I am. It's not going to happen to you. Stop dreaming. We start shooting out other people's dreams and they hope just because we lost sight of God's plan for our lives. I can talk about it. I've worked with so many young people as an educator and as a pastor. And many times I see young people who are saying, I want to give my life to Christ. And so many parents, like, no, nah, you ain't ready yet. Who gave you the power to read his mind or her mind? Who told you and how do you know what God has in store for that child? And too many times we prevent our young people from coming to Christ. And when we think they're supposed to come, guess what? They ain't coming. The Bible declares that the person who attempts to block 
a child from coming to Christ, it would have been best if they had a rope hung around their neck and they were able to sink to the bottom of a river or a sea and stay there and don't come back up. I'm not making that up. It's in the word. That's how dangerous it is. To my folks who are experienced in this life, I'm not going to call you seniors. I'm going to call you experienced. Your experience is supposed to give wisdom, not instill fear. There is a difference. Instilling wisdom saying, hey, I know you want to do this. I understand that. Have you considered these options as well? Not don't do it. It's not going to work out. You better go do this instead. No. Be wise. Give that wisdom. Share it. And if you ain't got it, then do what? Young people, I got to say this to y'all. When you have some folks putting your dreams down, you got to turn that ear off. When you hear them putting your dreams down, respectfully, leave the conversation right there. Don't even walk away with that. Don't. God will restore you. The Bible tells us his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So when I can't see past the shadows of death, I must fear no evil because God is with me. As Jesus approached the burial ground, folks began to wonder what would happen next. Some began talking about how all this could have been avoided if only he had come and healed Lazarus when he was sick. I'm so sure you, some of you have said the same thing. Lord, I've been praying for my family member. We anointed them. The pastors came, anointed them, and you still took them. Others questioned his devotion and love to his friends. But do make note, please. No one thanked God for coming. Instead, they complained that he came. They were so absorbed about themselves, they failed to recognize that Jesus, son of the living God, had come. How many times do we fail to recognize the hand of God in our lives? How many times do we take it for granted that it was God's hand that kept us safe? It was his eyes that watched over us. It was his mouth that spoke impossibilities into existence. It was his ears that heard our midnight cry. It is his breath that allowed us to move and have our being. It is all because of Jesus. Don't forget, believers, who Jesus is. Don't forget what he's done for you in the past. There is nothing he cannot do. We're outside the tomb. Folks are beginning to gather around the tomb. They're thinking he came just to pay his respects. And the Bible declares that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And the very first verses I learned. Back in the day, we used to play, uh, you know, it's kind of Bible games, like memory verses, and you had to Go verse after verse as to how many verses you knew until you got eliminated. And everybody just waited to get the Jesus wept in first. Because there was a sure guarantee you could stay till the next round. But he wasn't crying because Lazarus died. No. He was crying because he knew the moment he raised Lazarus from the dead. In return, he was condemning himself to death. When you read through the rest of the chapter, it tells you very clearly that when the scribes and the Pharisees heard what he had done, the only one conclusion they came up with is, he's got to go. And so Jesus did this knowing that Calvary was ahead of him. With a determined look, he commanded the stone to be moved. By now, everyone is becoming uneasy. What's he doing? 
there is a foul stench that permeates the air. Folks are beginning to place their hands over their nose as if not to inhale the awful scent. He looks heavenward and speaks to his father, thanking him for what he's about to do. In response, God, in response, God dispatches a, a, a host of angels to let him know, I got you, Jesus. They approach him reverently and whisper, son of God, almighty one, we have checked the body of Lazarus and it is 100% non-living. He then turns his attention to the tomb, speaks out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. At first, everything went quiet. Did he just tell Lazarus to come out? I can imagine the people thinking to themselves. But in the space of a few moments, there is a blur of traffic that is taking place unseen to the naked eye. Angels are going back and forth. And as the process is going, the first one comes to him and says, Master, respiratory check, respiratory system, check. The next one comes and says, cardiovascular system, check. The next one says, circulatory system, check. The next one comes and says, endocrine system, guess what? Check. Nervous system, check. Urinary system, check. Immune system, check. Reproductive system, check. Muscular system, check. Skeletal system, check. Intercommunitary system, check. Digestive system, check. Excretory system, check. All systems, check. And when it seems, and when it seems all have reported, I hear one more angel coming behind and wait, wait, wait. Lamb's book of life, check. <laughs> Lazarus walks out and I can hear Jesus saying to him, well done, Lazarus. You've passed the test. Well done, Lazarus. You believed in me. Well done, Lazarus. You trusted in me. Well done, Lazarus. You are a walking miracle. Well done, Lazarus. Well done. On that great day. On that great day when the clouds shall be no more. On that great day when angels will be covering the sunlight and be producing their own light. On that great day when the trump of the Lord will sound. On that great day when earthquakes will be happening and rocks are beginning to fall and people are scattering. On that great day, I want to hear Jesus say, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine God saying to you, well done? Can you imagine that? After all the trials we've gone through, the sacrifices we've made, the things we've given up for him. I'm not going to tell you any lie. Christianity is no joke. It's no joke. You better get ready and come in. But you know what? We are assured that if we come to him, we will never be alone. And as he walks with us through this journey, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Some of you, all the folks in here, need to share those testimonies to these young people that when they're going through, listen, honey, I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going through, but God's got you. I'm going to pray for you. Stop complaining about how they're looking and stop praying for them what they shall become. You can do that because you know God's been good to you. You know God has brought you a mighty long way. So pass that faith on. Speak into their lives. Son, I don't know what you're going through. I see your face. Your smile's a bit gone. But God's got you. I don't need to know what it is. It's none of my business. It's between you and God. 
trust him. He will see you through it. That's exhortation. You ain't got to be a preacher to do that. Excuse my language. I'm speaking really bad English. But you understand what I'm saying? On that day, you didn't come here today just to sit down and show your outfit. Hear the praise team sing and the choir sing. Look around and see who's sitting in your precious seat. You forgot the parking spot, preacher. There's some invisible ink outside. Do not park here or you will be towed and cussed out in Jesus' name. We have exchanged faith for materialism. Faith for status. Faith for positional standing. We have exchanged our faith for, 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 for the uh, opinion of others so other people may like us and appreciate us. Since Pastor Clark said what? You are a temple of God. God made you who you are. And he ain't made no mistake with who you are. He made no mistake. Our young people are plagued with challenges. Not only young people, I know the older folks too, and the people between the younger folks and the older folks in the middle. You got your struggles. I'm not going to leave you out. You're struggling. You're struggling about decisions. You're struggling about your finances and relationships. You are struggling about how to raise your children. You are struggling. Hard real life issues come at you, knocking on your door. And you're wondering, what can I do? You're weighing it out and you're putting it out. If I do this, then that. If that, then this. How long, Lord? You're struggling. But I've come to let you know, God knows about you. God has plans for you. And if you lose anything in this process, God is going to restore you. We hear this saying all the time. Uh, I'm walking back into the enemy's camp and took what he stole from me. You see how feeble we is? Do you understand that? We cannot dare walk into the devil's camp and talk about, I'm going to take what he stole from me. Nah, I ain't got to go. Lord, my child's out there. You said if I call upon your name, you will hear. This is the child I blessed at birth, and I'm giving him back to you. Lord, claim him. Lord, I lost my home, but you said you can provide. Work it out, Jesus, work it out. Until then, guess what? I'm going to keep praising you. I'm going to keep singing for you. I'm going to keep shouting your name. I won't be afraid of you. I won't be ashamed of you because you're so good. All of this is coming to one day. And on that one day, there are two phrases that will be said. Well done. Get away from me. Well done, come, get away. We know that. And so there's a song, When Peace Like a River, It Is Well With My Soul, Please. There comes a point in our lives we have to reckon what we're going to do. To our visitors who came today, you came here because God has something for you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to take you in hand and say, come to Jesus. No, no, no. Because at the end of the day, you've got to make this decision with your heart and mind and say, Lord, I'm willing to follow you. And as you make that decision, God honors that call. And he lets you know, I'm going to take care of you, my child. No matter what you go through, I'm going to take care of you. I know your situation is hard, but I'm going to take care of you. If you'd be so kind to stand to your feet. I want you to repeat something after me. 
Repeat after me. I am a child of God, created in His image. This makes me one of a kind, unique and special. I am destined to live my life with purpose and passion. I will choose to take responsibility for my actions. When faced with adversity, I must not give up. Let me say that again. When faced with adversity, I must not give up. When I can't find a way. No, no, no. You don't sound like you're convinced about this. When I can't find a way. I need to hear you about louder than that. When I, listen, some of you right now can't find your way. Let's be real. When I can't find my way. My faith in God will make a way. Put your hands together for the Lord this morning. We have those words as we get ready to sing this song I'm gonna leave the altar open right now wherever you are whatever your need is whatever your cry is whatever your pain is just walk up to the altar just walk up don't worry about anybody looking at you don't, don't listen man your life is about you and God when your pillow is wet with tears, they're next to you. When your bank account is in overdraft and you got no more money to pay your rent and buy food for your kids, they're not there with you. God is. So don't worry about them. Wherever you are, just make your own front. Grab somebody's hand next to you. We're in this thing together. Are we ready? When peace like a river? Here we go. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billow roll. Whatever my lot thou has called me to say come on lift your voice in the air it is well it is well with my soul let's take it to the chorus no musicians it is well and You got to sing it like you believe it now. Come on, you got to sing it like I believe it. With. Come on, it is well. Lift your voice in here. It is well. That has got to be your testament. That has got to be your testament. On your grave, on your tombstone, when it has your name etched, and the epitaph says, so and so from 19, so and so to 2013, your whole life is summed in a dash. The question is, in that dash, you must be able to say, it is well with my soul. You've got to be able to make that resolution. So, there's anyone here right now? Who needs to give their life to Christ say Lord I have strayed I have not been faithful I need you Jesus wherever you are let's take one step forward God bless you my sister anyone else don't look at her check your heart check your heart check your heart we've become good professional Christians God ain't looking for professional Christians. He's looking for real folk. 
real folk. Anyone else? About to wrap this up. About to wrap this up. Anyone else? Let's pray. Father God, it is to you we give all the glory. It is to you we give all the praise. Lord, your people are standing right now on the word that you said that if they come to you, you will hear them. But that verse also says we have to turn away from our wicked ways. And then you will heal us. So, Father, for those of us who are lacking the tenacity and the courage to turn from our wicked ways, do what you must to save us. If it means breaking a pinky toe, break it, Jesus. If it means stripping us of our earthly possession, strip us, Jesus. If it means putting a loved one to rest, put them there, Jesus. At the end of the day, may we be able to say, you are alone, our God. I know it sounds hard, Father, for some of us to hear these kind of words. But you've called this thing into existence, not for form or for fashion, but to save lives. So I pray there, God, that you anoint in a very special way. Place your Holy Spirit upon this young lady who has made a step to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Whatever may come my way, I must be able to say it's going to be well with my soul. For those who are standing here, the God, with concerns, with struggles, with struggling with alternative lifestyles, addictions, gambling situations, adultery and fornication, stealing and even robbing, including from Uncle Sam. Forgive us. Forgive us, dear God. Wash us with your Holy Spirit. Renewing us, uh, 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 creating us a clean heart, dear God, to renew a right spirit. And after all is said and done, may we hear the words come from your lips saying, well done. Enter into the joy. In Jesus' name. It is well. With my soul. With my soul. It is well. Come on. Let's do the chorus one more time. Let's do the chorus one more time. Come on. It is well. Yeah. Come on, lift your voice up in here with. Sing it to Jesus today. It is well. It is well. It is well. Put your hands together for the Lord this morning. He's an awesome God. Put your hands together. Pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now we're going to close out right away because we want you to go home, get rest up, and come back at what time? 7 o'clock. And so please, everybody, please be on time. We want you to be on time. We want you to be blessed. We want to thank God for his messenger. Thank him for the message. And as we continue, we truly want the word of God to touch base, to touch us, and to lead us. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so at this time, church, we're going to invite you all at this time to uh, stay tuned as the deacon and deaconesses come forward to usher us out. Let us go forth to serve recognizing that God has great things in store for us let us pray father in heaven we thank you for the message we thank you for all that you have done Lord we pray father that you will continue to be with us we ask that you would lead us Lord arrest us in your righteousness and lead us now we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ amen